Hey there, friend, and welcome to the first show of season three. This is an introduction to the whole season, and in this season, we're going to be focusing on the ancient Chinese text known as the Tao Te Ching, a text that has been invaluable to us over the years. If you've heard me on this podcast or previous podcasts, you know that sometimes I talk about this text so much that people have had a, a little... Uh, you know, game of bingo, sometimes listening to me. But this is the culmination of a lot of that exploration. This season, friends, we are pleased to offer uh, each week two short episodes in which Stacy will read our rendering of a chapter and she'll share some practical reflections. It'll just be her. It'll be very calming. And then uh, we'll also be sharing each week our typical long-form discussions about the ways in which this text can help us outfox religious wolves and various forms of manipulation in our lives and, really, anxieties. We'll also occasionally interview guests and explore just contemporary themes that relate to our overall podcast purpose but maybe don't have a lot to do with the Tao Te Ching. We look forward to having you join with us for this exploration, whether you're coming specifically for this discussion of the Tao Te Ching, or whether you're a longtime friend of ours or listener who's enjoyed uh, season one and two, where we were focusing more on the teachings of Jesus, especially in uh, season two, where we were looking at the ways in which Jesus can help us oppose toxic religious leaders who come in the name of Jesus. This is going to be a different thing and a different set of uh, conversations, but they will be on that same theme that's important to us. For even more information about why we're spending so much time on one short book, you can also check out Season 2, Episode 9, entitled Getting Out of Ruts with Lao Tzu. Stacy and I have had the chance to go on a spiritual, emotional, and literal overland journey to understand this text's meaning, especially how it might apply to our anxious times. We did this by reading and pondering the Tao Te Ching as we stayed in our overland vehicles first uh, during the first sabbatical in a little Mitsubishi Delica named Dreamweaver, and now in our more spacious truck camper with a bathroom we call St. George. During this time, we've been working and reworking our own interpretive uh, version, our rendering of the Tao Te Ching with brief commentary and study questions, which we're probably going to release as a a book with the title, How to Surf the Tao, uh, despite last season, my suggestion that it would be called Protect Your Noggin with Lao Tzu. But we'll see. Stay tuned. Um, if you go to the show notes at protectyournoggin.org, we will always point you to the detailed information about how we're doing, what we're up to, how far along we are, and so forth. And we'll be able to answer some questions that we won't maybe get to in this show about uh, how we're not attempting syncretism or shallow cultural appropriation. You can also read some of our posts about our work with the Tao Te Ching and some of the best translations that are already out there on DaoSurfers.com. That's DaoSurfers with a T, T-A-O, Surfers.com. Uh, Protect Your Noggin is essentially the educational outreach of the overall life project Stacy and I are calling uh, Dow Surfers. And we'll explain the name further uh, in the midst of this show. You can also see pictures of our back road and wilderness travel on Instagram under the handle Dow Surfers. One more clarification before we go any farther. 
if you are a hardcore student of Taoism, uh, religious Taoism, or practices that derive from some of those same traditions like Feng Shui, Tai Chi, acupuncture, or martial arts, we welcome you, and we are so glad you're here. Please send us your feedback, and maybe even you'd like to be a guest on the show and share ways in which you find connections between our main purpose and the particular practice in which you have an expertise. But unfortunately, we ourselves probably won't have much to offer you if you're an expert on those particular subjects, and we're not really going to touch on them um, except for here and there as the occasion um, suggests. We are going to stay focused on the Tao Te Ching text itself and specifically uh, the ways in which this text might offer insights for the life that we live in the 21st century and the wild, wild west that we find ourselves in. Remember, this season is part of our long-term plan to study sages from the past who are associated with religion in some way, but who also offer insights for helping us all, whatever our faith tradition or lack thereof, uh, helping us all evade some of religion's dangers. Future subjects might include St. Catherine of Siena, who uh, challenged the Pope, Rumi, the, uh, the Sufi, um, w- William of Ockham, or uh, maybe Julian of Norwich. We're, we're going to keep going as we find passion. But in each case, we'll dig deep and share what we found from our consultation of scholarly sources and authorities, and then we'll attempt to apply this to concrete life and our particular vocations and the ways that we can use this to help us kind of break free from some of the toxic forms of mind control and uh, religious authoritarianism. Stacy, my wife, is an end-of-life doula and a yoga instructor who studied psychology in college. I have a DPhil from Oxford where I focused on the history of early modern philosophy and religion. And while I was there, it was great. I got to attend various lectures on religion and philosophy and oriental studies, but Um, As I come to this season's subject, I am a specialist in late medieval and early modern European thought. So one way to think about what we're up to here is that we're providing a service similar to that of the ancient Greek Theoria. Uh, The ancient Greek Theoria was a candid observer of a neighboring city-state's oracle or festival, uh, religious festival, and then they would come back and report on what they experienced and saw when they came back to their hometown. So we are these travelers that have gone out and uh, experienced some things and investigated some things, and we're going to come back and see if there aren't things that could apply to your life right now. Think of us as your uh, older brother and sister that went out on a journey. We came back, and we've got some things to share with you, just like a Greek theoria. In other words, as we've gone out on this contemplative journey, living in our truck camper, St. George, meeting old and new friends along the road, um, we invite you now to come along with us for the ride, dear listener. This ride just might change your life. Let's go. All ahead, one third. All ahead, one third. Aye, aye. Time by to dive. Diving stations. Dive. Dive. Welcome, friends, to the Protect Your Noggin podcast. We offer lessons on outfoxing religious wolves. And sometimes we will address emotionally difficult subjects. So make sure you pay careful attention to our descriptions of each of the episodes. And then also have some resources handy, such as the Crisis Text Line. That's one of our favorites, which is 741-741. That's 741-741. Now, just take a deep breath because we're not afraid to go deep. But don't worry. 
because we'll also have some fun along the way. Our plan is to help us all resurface with insights and tools to help heal ourselves and our communities. So come along, because we got this. So, baby, one of the ways that we've talked about our approach to Jesus and then in this season here, Lao Tzu, um, we've said, Jesus for others, Lao Tzu for yourself. Hmm. And what I mean by this, uh, when, I, when I share that thought, is that Jesus is calling us to, in some ways, a kind of mission that, that is active, that there's an element of, of justice engagement mm-hmm. and sometimes suffering and in many ways Lao Tzu is going to offer us ways to kind of avoid trouble uh, but do you feel like that does that sound selfish well <laughs> um I think that there there's often times when we don't give ourselves enough permission to take care of ourselves yeah and that we think sometimes that say retreating or, you know, doing something that is going to, you know, rejuvenate you that might just be a, you know, a solo act is somehow a selfish act. And yet I have found over and over again that if when people don't find those times of rest, those times of self care, that, they are less and less helpful to all of those around them as well as, I mean, not even just less helpful, but think about it. The times you get irritable or, yeah, or you could be or positively fresh. problematic. Yeah, exactly. And so I know that when, when my fuse is short, nobody <laughs> wants to be around me, right? It's time that I need to go figure that out yeah. and, and reset somehow. Yeah. And that's I a think good, that's a good way of thinking about it. That makes sense. Right. And so I think that, in the sense that when you, so when you say Lao Tzu is about yourself, yes, but yet if you pay attention to the wisdom that is being offered there, everybody around you, I think, would notice the difference and yes. say, hey, well, <laughs> so secretly yeah. it actually is kind of for them. <laughs> the, text, the text really is in, in an explicit way, not even for oneself, but for leadership, for governing a nation. It kind of comes out of a tradition as well explore a little bit later of advising leaders. So it's actually for others. That's true. I guess what, what I mean when I say Lao Tzu for me or Lao Tzu for yourself is that in many ways, those of us who come from a very strongly Christian upbringing or background, there's a lot of this idea of sacrificing yourself. God, use me, send me out to the mission mm-hmm. field, mm-hmm. Um, you know, make me a servant um, and I'm going to spend <laughs> a lot of my time you know, worshiping you, um, you know, these sorts yeah. of things. And so you're kind of feeling like Christianity, and I'm not saying this is at the core what Christianity is. I think our last season demonstrates that we don't think that, that that's the only thing, but it is well, for others, right? And it was a real, as I've mentioned before in the past, that was a real concern for me. I yeah. was like, dear God, please don't send me out as a missionary. Uh-huh. I just don't want to eat, you know, weird bugs and right. things like that. I didn't really understand that, that, that would become a, a passion that yes. I would that God would place on my heart that right. I would pursue or something. You know, I thought of it as you know, you you just almost like you're 
nagging parent telling you to go do a chore that you would feel like you have to do it, but you kind of go like dragging and <laughs> by, <laughs> by pulling teeth or whatever to get you to do something. Paradoxically, a lot of, to be fair, a lot of religious Christians that I know are, especially in American evangelicalism, in our neck of the woods, are not always talking about serving others. There's mm-hmm. also a way in which, as we've explored, there's been a takeover of American evangelicalism, very often American Protestantism, and, and very uh, increasingly segments of American Catholicism um, that are kind of lining up with a, a kind of um, maybe economic emphasis on your own rights to individual success and things. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying that actual, the actual teaching is that. And I also noticed that a lot of people who are really interested in uh, the Tao Te Ching are also very compassionate and serve other people. But I am saying that if you grew up in a church where your feelings, your thoughts, your opinions, your critical perceptions were not valued, this is an antidote to that space, Mm -hmm. that spirit. Mm -hmm. Because what the Tao Te Ching is all about is observing nature long enough to say, oh, I see it. I see truth as it is. I see it directly. Mm -hmm. I see it immediately. I'm going to take that sight seriously. Mm -hmm. And I am going to rest in that reality. I'm going to find a bit of stillness in that beholding. There are some times where there's a tricky translation of the beholding an uncut piece of wood or an unhewn piece of wood. Mm-hmm. It just that naturalness. It's about observing nature and respecting it. And I think so often many of us, I'm maybe speaking a lot for myself, and you know this too, have seen in their, in their Christian upbringing a denial of self being turned into a denial of self-care, a denial right. of agency. And this is just one of the reasons we want to bring this, especially to people who grew up in Christian backgrounds, isn't to bring you some new religion, but to give you a philosophy of life that maybe just is so refreshingly new that at least will give you something to ponder. Yeah. And I, I, well, and I think that especially any religions that are fear-based, you know, there's that, there's that tendency to, to live in that, that space that, you know, God wants some stuff from you and you better deliver. Yeah. And one <laughs> of the things he wants you to do is go, you know, do the potluck and make sure you do clean up afterwards. And Whatever, these are all yeah. good things. And we think again, that more religious Christians should, should actually get engaged more. We're not saying do less, but mm-hmm. it's, it's like, if you love other people, can you learn to love and protect and heal and take care of yourself? That's what well, and do. yes. And then I would also offer that. I think the other thing is the doubting is about human behavior as well. Period. And so when, when I understand what's being said here, it helps offer for me to, offer, you know, to get perspective. And so if I'm dealing with somebody that you know, just something seems difficult or whatever, that I'm able to see it from a different vantage point that I didn't used to be able to before I was you know, taking a look at the doubting. And, and that what it, helps, what it helps me do is look at the, the, the situation more objectively, realizing what they're saying or complaining about often isn't about me. 
<laughs> there is yeah. something else going on and I can have compassion on their circumstance right. and also see it. I, you know, sometimes you can even just sort of, you know, when somebody's complaining about something or acting a certain way and then it's like, oh, well, you know, I could see the bigger picture of what's happening here. Yeah. And then maybe ask the appropriate questions to help them, you know, maybe <laughs> shed a little, you know, maybe they can kind of come around. You can't tell somebody, oh, well, you're doing this because of X, Y, because they're just going to double down and say, no, it's you. You know, it's not me. <laughs> yeah. But on the other hand, so it's not the point of it. It's not, it's not the point of being right. It's not the point. It, but it is, it is to be able to understand. And it is so that you can properly love your neighbor. You can properly, you know, see what's going on with, you know, your hurting brother or sister, uh, your, your child, you know? Yeah. You're, it's a lot easier to be compassionate and caring when you actually see what the real pain is. Yes. And so then you can, then you can help them really help them because again, it's not about you. And so, you know, or, or the parts that that are about you, you can acknowledge that and you don't have to get defensive about it. Right. And then correct those behaviors. You say, oh, yeah, I see what's going on. And all of this really helps to think about politics and governments. One of the things we're going to see in a lot of this is, you know, this idea that um, when governments become too domineering, the people suffer. Yeah. And there's also a way in which this helps us to kind of get out of the divide between Republican and Democrat, because in many ways, there's a distrust in Lao Tzu of a certain kind of um, acquiescence to the state. It's kind of like um, there's a, a withdrawal that in, it, that's involved from certain kinds of political wrangling and competition. It's not, as we're going to see in a moment, it's not just opting out of the fray, but it is about managing your business, your life, your family, a nation well, and then everybody thrives. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that what it also helps with is, is getting to the root of certain problems yeah. because we often speak past each other all the time. I mean, that's what's happening in politics right yeah. now. Yeah. And so, and maybe even some people are on the same team, maybe even touting the same line, but what that means to them is something different than what it means, you yeah. know, to, to somebody else. that's also, you know, shouting that same expression or something, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. so what, you know, what is at the root of the concerns, you know, for the Republicans, for yeah. the Democrats, for those that are just fed up with all of it? The you cowboy know? who's kind of ticked off at the state getting too, you know, uh, too much intervention in, in, say, his life and goes up into the mountains and, you know, cracks open a cold beer and tries to get away and is maybe libertarian. There's going to be some resonance with that. Mm-hmm. Or for the young woman who's living in her van in Oregon and... Um, kind of more of an anarchist, kind of hippie, and wants to be free from the system, there's going to be some resonance there. For people who just want to be decent, um, you know, states people, mm-hmm. there's something for them too, right? And yet, there, it's not like everything goes. There's something right. for each of those people, but what it is is a kind of medicine. But for you, it's been medicine. Tell me a little bit about how we've kind of wrestled through this over the last couple of years. I mentioned a little bit of it in the cold Yeah, open. and so, you know, you've had the, the... We've been so grateful to have the chance for you to have some time away from work to do some research and, and writing. We had two years, two semesters spaced out within those. So right. it was kind of a nice way, like a Swiss cheese of spreading out some, some real reflective time. 
Yeah, and the first time, you know, we spent a lot of a lot of our extra hours and, and drive time because we were driving um, a lot that we would just, you know, d- be discussing for the Protect Your Noggin with Jesus series. We were, you know, determining what you know, what lessons that we wanted to cover that, that Jesus had mentioned and brainstorming and, topics, outlining the chapters. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, so that was one of the first times that I was trying to exercise what I learned later, um, called the beginner's mind. And that is sort of coming at something with this, you know, just a, a, a fresh perspective we mentioned at the end of Protect Your Noggin with Jesus that it's really hard to teach somebody karate when they've already learned a different martial art earlier in their life, right? You can't unlearn. It's hard to unlearn things that you've learned. And so not that you want to unlearn everything, but I do think it is good to hold back sometimes your preconceived ideas, your biases, you know, your notions, and then come at with a fresh perspective with a, a new mind and just open to what these words say to you. You can always have your old biases back. Uh, C.S. Lewis said something similar to this when he was talking about art criticism. He said, you know, you, you might think art criticism is stupid, then I guess don't, don't play that game. But Lewis said, if you want to understand a piece of art, first you have to kind of let down your defensiveness mm-hmm. you always have your own self there that you can come right back to but you have to kind of go with them and and go with them even if it seems at first weird yeah. then you can judge it but you can't just immediately say well that van gogh can't paint with very good clarity or you know what's what's wrong with the you know is this a kindergartner doing this um, picasso piece right. you've got to at least get into it a little bit before you make your comments. Well, and, and I've and I've heard before that so far too often we we go into any sort of situation especially if you're going into a confrontation not even really totally listening to what the person is saying, but you are listening for what they're saying wrong. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> Part of it is it's almost like you almost want to like catch somebody like tripping up on something or whatever. Right. And you're missing out on an opportunity to actually learn some other things. Now they might of course have some things wrong and you can, like you said, you can keep that, you can pull that in, but first hear, hear them out so that you understand what the full thing is and not just search for, you know, again, what is incorrect because that, that's not protecting your brain. (laughs) It's not protecting your noggin. That's that's important for us to note. Yeah. Protecting your noggin sometimes means being more open-minded. Yes. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) But not, it's not just closing down, which, which is also part of, you know, even (laughs) with us when we did the logo, you know, we, when, you know, we were kind of imagining this thing and at first, the very first color was like a green helmet, which... We were thinking, you know, because it reminded us a little bit of like sort of if you're going out in war or whatever yeah, to protect too, yourself. Too right? combative. But it was too combative. And, too yang. And also we are realizing the point isn't to be blending in and hiding. Um, that's why we switched to the bright orange color because it's it's getting that, that protection that you might mm. need. Um, but you're not going, you're not trying to hide from society or hide from who you are. You're, you're very much announcing your presence in a way, yeah. you know, uh, you're not going to sneak up on anybody, but you're also, you know, not going to be there just so they can just, you know, beat you up. Right. Mm-hmm. You're, you're coming in with a, with a certain like, all right, I see you coming, you know, yeah. but, but I am going to protect myself here. But I, and also with the logo, like there's not like, 
there is a little bit of a cheekiness, but it's kind of like in a playful way. Yeah, we're ready. Rather, to, we're ready to come and have a conversation rather than an angry way, mm-hmm. or you know, um, yeah, it's it's more. Yeah, about that conversation. For, dear listener, if you just kind of want to listen in and you want to stay on the sidelines, that's cool. One of the main focal points for our show is for folks who want to still dance with religious themes and philosophies and ideas, but they've maybe been hurt mm-hmm. or they know others that have and want to make sure they're staying safe. So it's it's like um, it's like a spiritual hygiene. You know, it's, these are just, or you know, if you're if you're sawing, wear your goggles. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of attitude. And you see, and this is, of course, the 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 design was by our oldest, who really understood what we we're up to, Augie, who's uh, goes by the name Frog, or uh, you can see his Instagram page, Frogstein, F R A U G S T E I N, and he has uh, some designs there and can do a logo for you. If he'll take your silly project, <laughs> if you can afford him. I'm kidding. But you were going to say, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, so with the logo and the protecting part, because um, we, we were talking about, you know, how do we get into this? Well, the beginner's mind, and I mentioned, you know, that aspect. And I yeah. think uh, the Tao Te Ching really helped me, um, you know, start to understand what it was to have the beginner's mind and with a new perspective because it was different words. It was things that I hadn't quite heard said this way or, you know, and it, and also it's, you know, it's very short, but it also is complicated. And so, Mm -hmm. and the Tao Te Ching really needs to be read and, or, or maybe not complicated, maybe more simple, but impenetrable at times or, or, or mysterious. Right. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Complicated is the wrong word. It, it's but, like a deep but I well. Say it, but, it's <laughs> profound. Right. It is yeah. profound. Yeah. And there are often many layers to mm. things. There's, you know, things that seem like they could be contradictory. So you kind of have to like wrestle through mm. and, and figure out what is the meaning behind this. So having, you know, having a, a text of something we were, we were trying to find as we were, you know, when we had downtime or whatever, we were like, what's something else that's a fresh perspective? Because sometimes you can't just keep, you know, we couldn't just keep our, our mind only in the, like, just our research on the, the Jesus, Jesus book. Yeah. Because, like, sometimes that gets a little stale, too. You know, if well, you ever... Yeah, go ahead. Whenever you talk to, uh, or, or if you hear sometimes, I, I've often heard, like, some of podcasts and stuff like that that are often more personality-driven, that if they aren't exposed to new things or other people or whatever, it starts to get stale. Like almost like yeah, they disconnect. They stop. Yeah. yeah. They stop living in a way that um, it's like, you kind of wonder like, do they just, are they just in a bubble? Yeah. <laughs> you know, do they understand what's going on with modern society right now? Yeah. And I think that the ability to have something that still intrigued me on a spiritual level, but yet, like was foreign to anything I had heard before. And wasn't heavy lifting like homework. Right. You know, it's interesting you're saying this because you're right. In many ways, the, the personal practice of reading and working on our own rendering of the Tao Te Ching was a personal healing practice that helped us to have well, that's insights. That's why we did it. Yes. But it helped us to have insights into last season's study of Jesus. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's kind of fun to have this. And when, you're, when you've been reading commentaries about a text from Jesus for five hours and you want to go to bed, I don't necessarily want to be listening to a lecture about Jesus just mm-hmm. because I, 
I just need to kind of stop doing my work for a little bit, right? right? So you kind of put can, your brain on something yeah. else. This most certainly has looking into the Tao Jing has certainly um, given a depth to my my spiritual walk that I you know I didn't ever expect would happen. Yeah. And so, you know, when you say like, you know, can, you know, can you be reading the Tao Te Ching and still, you know, still, you know, appreciate the, the teachings of Jesus or, you know, if you're Mormon or whatever your religious background is, mm-hmm. like, yeah. you know, will the Tao Te Ching um, <laughs> corrupt you for a yeah. lack of a better word, right? And no, I, no. I didn't, it's not about... A religion. I right, honestly think way. it cannot corrupt you. It is not going to make you worship weird, animistic um, spirits. Mm-hmm. It's not going to draw you into you know rank heresy. If you know a Christian, Muslim, or a Jewish um, believer, you know if you're practicing, but it will be dangerous. Mm-hmm. It is dangerous mm-hmm. to to many of the people that might want to control you in various religions. You know? Right, because then you'll see again. It's with the, with sort of the description of human behavior. You're able to see these people coming and what like, oh, what their motive. Yeah, I see what they're be. up to. This is as old as, mm-hmm. as time. Mm-hmm. And so, I, yeah. So we're not saying that it won't change the way you think, <laughs> but it definitely um, it won't interfere with any of your other like religious beliefs. As if it's going to be your new religion, because it's not. Mm. Is this the Bible for Taoism? Right. In one sense, you could say, like, you know, uh, you could have, like, the Bible of Texas Hold'em Poker, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so you might say it that way, but it would be by analogy. This is not what theologians call special revelation. This is not a text where, um, like, you know, Jabril um, brings a message to, to the prophet Muhammad, and then Muhammad then shares this with the world, or, um, or you know... Um, Jesus in Christian theology is bringing a word from the Father, you know, mm-hmm. um, or a uh, you know prophet saying, "Thus saith the Lord." That's not the way it's set up here. So it's it doesn't require you to believe anything that they're saying on some kind of divine spoken mandate. This is observation that once you stare at it long enough, once you really get to understand it you'll start to realize that it's kind of just filled with truth yeah. that's true by definition. Right. You know, it might not be something you would have seen before, but right. once you see it, you, you can't unsee you it. You cannot unsee it. So anyway, yeah, it's not a, it's not a Bible. It is not a, cause that was one of my concerns know. too. Like whenever you hear, you know, something that, you know, it's like, you don't want to just randomly pick up these things, you know, philosophical things or things that seem, you know, spiritual or whatever. Or and some charlatans just really making know. something up yeah. or it's pseudoscience or it's, you know, this is the ancient secrets of, <laughs> you know, the high priests of raw. And it turns out to be something somebody made up in 1987. Now, is there, is there like a big group of, um, Taoists out there that all congregate and, and participate in religious activities? Well, there are religious Taoists and more in some parts of the world than others. But uh, one thing is true is that in the United States, it's unlikely that you'll run into somebody who's trying to proselytize you into a religious tradition known as Taoism. It is not known for going out and making converts to some, you know, um, weird, (laughs) high-impact, high-involvement cult-like behavior. You you just don't have that. And that's why 
we really recommend it, especially for people who are coming out of a tradition that they may go back and dip into, but if they need just a pause from it, what happens for a lot of people is they say, I don't want to get into some new high involvement religion Mm -hmm. for a moment. You know, it's kind of like a dating relationship. You broke up with somebody you've been dating for seven years. Maybe you don't trust yourself to get into a new religion. You know, Mm -hmm. you just got out of some wacky cult. You're like, you know, I really like your version of, you know, Presbyterianism. It sounds really nice, but I'm going to just pause for a second. That's a really wise thing to do. Yeah. You know, you always stay open to the world, but... But in this case, no, this, we, we found that the nice thing about the Tao Te Ching is because it allows us to think about life and have those reflections almost like for a lot of people who grew up in the Christian world where they did daily devotions. Yes. They might not want to do devotions the way they used to, but they need that in their life. And right. a lot of people that leave, say, fundamentalism find this great vacuum in their life. And even people who come back to it, I mean, I know there have been times when we don't want to go to church or hear Christian music sometimes just because we're, we're so frustrated by the way that maybe in our lives that week or that year, religious Christians have been attacking us. Right. And I mean, I think that's just especially true for us being in the kind of more of public conversation that, that one of the things that happens in Protestant Christianity is there's a great deal of doctrinal fighting. Yes. And you have... Um, you know, because doctrine defines Protestantism, all of these Protestant groups split because of doctrine. And mm-hmm. then within them, you know, you've got multiple groups that split. And then in each of the denominations, there are four factions and so forth because the doctrine defines it. And usually the closer that you, that you believe to somebody, but just slightly little different is... All the pain. <laughs> it's all the pain, you know? It's kind of like, it's like the family member that you were super close to or that you had yeah. some sort of problem and now it's like your worst enemy more so than it could have been, you know, yeah. like the, somebody that you, you know, a, a sibling that you weren't close to or something. Right. You feel comfortable <laughs> yeah. enough to fight, but it also, it can be a fight. And so this is a text, this is a study that is partly meant for us to catch our breaths because in many ways, protect your noggin with Jesus, we are kind of, we are punching out a little bit. And that what takes me back to the question, yin and yang. In many ways, it's important for us to just, we're not going to throw too many terms at you yet, but it's important to know this language of yin and yang, which can be misunderstood. It's that uh, symbol of darkness and light in in interaction. But as our youngest said, it's not necessarily always to be understood as black versus white, because that can be reversed as well. But it has to do with these kind of point-counterpoint, this balance. It's the negative space and the positive space. Mm -hmm. But for, for general thinking here yang is that is that active energy Mm -hmm. and so in many ways it's like if we're looking at some of the problems with authoritarian religion and you want to punch your way out of that bind Mm -hmm. that's the yang version this season we're saying one of the most important things we all need right now for goodness sake is more yin a little bit of yin medicine yin is a little more passive um it's it's a little bit more um you know like a a pulling back and observing like you were mentioning yeah yeah i think like you know the idea of uh wu wei again another term here but it's it's a really important concept and i think it has been extremely helpful in my life and it's this i you know technically it means non-doing but it, we don't want to get confused thinking that the sage or the person that is, you know, considered like this, you know, more 
spiritual person or whatever, you know, or, or understood it that they that they don't ever act, that they are just completely passive, and right. that they, or there's you know, no and, difference between good and evil or something. And like sometimes that. I see some people, um, you know, they they typically, you know, if they are seen as like some kind of you know wise person, or they might withdraw from society. Yeah, and I think that that's actually a, a that's a big disservice actually to society if if you were able to have some wisdom and some understanding by staying you know engaged and and helping to influence the the world around you i think is very very important it's noble yeah. i don't know but anyway it can be easy to sometimes just withdraw but the idea of with the with the non the non doing it's it's kind of like and we we talk about you know surfing the dow Mm-hmm. And it's that's our imagery for it. It's the idea of going with the natural forces that are going to help you sort of navigate the way and help propel you along, rather than thinking that you always have to, you know, climb this uphill battle or something. And and part of that concept and part of being able to do that is the the yin times of pulling back to get perspective and i think that that's right. sort of where i find you know i found helpful in my prayer life or if i ever you know being going to meditate or something like that it's that pulling back that i can just sort of be you know more receptive and and just you know stop doing stop being mm-hmm. for a second and look at the big picture of things mm-hmm. because i often you know, I get sometimes so caught up in the the details, right? And I found that, so the yang is when you, after you've pulled back or whatever, mm. then you're going to act. You're going right. to, you're going to do it, but you can do it with a clarity because you've been able to see the bigger picture, see what all of the moving parts are and how best you can then re-engage. Like where, how will you be most effective? How will you, mm. you know, help the situation and not add to the chaos? And when you act, you act in a way it seems effortless it's efficient and it's very yeah it's very efficient it's very decisively it's it's but it but it also is flowing with the energy and the forces that you yeah. know to help help you along the way yeah uh, and 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 that's why we like this idea of dow surfers because mm-hmm. surfing is still an active thing i, I was actually i was uh, using a really cool it's, it's by this company i've never heard of called dutch augie uh, got me a cool balsa wood i think it's balsa wood hand plane for body surfing. And I really like body surfing because, you know, people ask Dow surfers, you know, do you surf? Well, Mm -hmm. um, I didn't hope my dad didn't listen, but um, I I had a really nice surfboard that just got stolen off the top of one of our vehicles. I felt really bad about it and it was large. Instead of replacing it for the last part of the summer here, once we got back down from Montana, I was really happy to have this gift from Augie. And I was surprised how much it gives me buoyancy but but I was out yesterday and I was getting tired. It was a great workout. But so again, it's not like you're just curled up in a ball floating around. Well, you first also have to decide to get into that water. Got to get in the water. Yeah, you got to get in the water. <laughs> That's one thing. And also you have to learn you have to learn to relax a little bit so you don't drown because you're always swimming against the rip current. Yeah. You got to go with it and then you swim laterally. You've got to you've got to understand the natural flow of the water. Everybody who comes to California and and gets into trouble and close to drowning or drowns, um, you know, I mean, not everybody, but often people come from inland and they swim against the current and that's what wears them out. Well, and because they feel that the the current is pulling them further out to the ocean and that's scary. So their their natural instinct is to 
go to yeah. shore as quickly as you know and, and but the most efficient way be to actually go to the shore is almost yeah. even float with the wave because ultimately it's going to yeah. spit you out but it's yep. it's going to be next to you not in front of you which yeah. is the shore and it might look scary because you might be getting further out yeah. but you need to get away from that little current mm-hmm. in order to successfully swim to yeah. the shore and it's can be you're not in control at that moment. You want to get to this point, but you have to watch yourself go further away from where you're looking in order to actually get there safely. And that's a scary concept. But also, when you're trying to pick your, your waves or whatever, you still have to feel the, the pulse of, of the ocean and the waves so that you know when the set is going to come. You know, when are you going, you know, like sometimes it'll be like a little, you know, a little three sets or something like that that come through. The next one, you know, once you've been studying the ocean longer, it might be bigger ones that are the ones that you actually want to go after, as well as how far are they timed apart so that you know you can set, if you miss the first wave, you can set yourself up to properly catch the wave. You know, Yeah, so there's action there, but what happens then? I wait for it. You have to observe for a while. And when, exactly. And then what I'm doing is I'm in some ways allowing the force of the entire earth to help me play. And so that is why the image of Tao surfing is so important to me is that once you do catch that wave and it's sunset and all the world kind of goes away and you're in this magical place enveloped by this little curl of salt water that's cleansing and it's, you know, it's wonderful and you're kind of cruising through, hopefully at a, at a nice social distance from other folks. If you're, if you're in a spot where you can be body surfing and there's not anybody around because you're able to sneak down, you don't have to carry a big board, that's kind of what I like. I like having a couple fins on me and the hand plane now and being able to get to spots real quick and then get out without too much hassle. But what the deal is, is I'm, as, I'm, as I'm surfing on that thing, as I'm riding that wave, the wave is carrying me forward. So I'm using the force of nature and it's effortless. And then you get to be like that dolphin or that sea lion. You're just mm-hmm. kind of letting it just carry you along. And you still dance back and forth. You're not completely, you're not a dead body. Mm-hmm. But now you're dancing. And that, friends, is what we want you to be able to, to think about in life. Is there a way for you to not be so flailing about, so, so terrified in these terrifying times sometimes, but to relax us for a second, figure out your move, and then make that move, and then dance through it even when it seems terrifying. Now, another note about this word, Tao surfers, we were talking about, you know, um, like making sure we didn't want you to think that we think we're the Tao surfers. Like we've had a <laughs> really we hard run. we have it all together. And, and by the way, I mean, we've... We've, we've had some tough times. And we've taken, we've taken a little break from our regular program and we we're going to get more regular. I think that we're now at a better spot, but we really did need to withdraw for a moment. Yeah, we just like we kind went, of stopped for a second. We went through... A, a major move, a major, you know, even just emotional, psychological time in the family and adjusting to changes in a new dynamic with our older son moving out. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, and then obviously <laughs> we're in the middle of lockdown. There's all sorts of uncertainty, you know, with even, you know, was your college going to be online? Is it in person? Right. We're right. house parents. Who are we going to be house parents? We're just avalanche with if, stuff and worries you know, and, and what's the economy. And, and we're still trying to make schedules. You know, we were making schedules, you know, for being house parents. Now it's like we still need to kind of figure out what that looks like and who might actually be here and what will, you know. Anyway, there's been so much that took such a, a 
emotional, mental, psychological toll on us that, I mean, and I must say you were much more, you know, rearing to go than, than I was, but I just like, I need some space. I need some time. And, and, and I think that being able to acknowledge that is important and I'm a work in progress and I don't have this all figured out, but I do know that any moments that I have been able to, you know, get a little bit of sanity or, or see my way out of a difficult situation has been tremendously helped. So by no means do I feel like <laughs> I have, you know, a handle on any of this or that I am properly surfing the Tao. I just want to make that clear. Or that even in our relationship that, you know, that everything is always golden. <laughs> you know, we have a lot of fights, a lot of struggles, you know. Um, well, and you as know, many spiritual sages have said, when you get close, that's when the temptation comes. This is the image of like when the, when the Buddha is under the Bodhi tree, he's tempted by Mara. Mm. He's getting close. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope we're getting close because we're often being bombarded by anxieties and, and, and stressors and things. And it's, it's not always easy. But I do appreciate that one of the ways in which we sometimes fight in the recent year or so is to say, we know darn well yeah. what we should be doing. Mm-hmm. And we're not there. And so that is something you need to to just be aware of. Give yourself and others a little bit of mercy there because... You know, it's like if you know somebody who's caught up in a false system of the world, then you just kind of pity them, you know, and you want to help them see the light or whatever. But when somebody you love, in our case, our spouse, is acting in a way that's totally not Tao, it becomes <laughs> a lot more apparent. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And and uglier. You know what I'm saying? Harder and, and, to, it, and, it's, and it's easy to, you know... You're not surfing the Tao right now, but then that itself is not helpful, right? (laughs) Right. Well, so who are the Tao surfers? The Tao surfers for our translation and for our conversation friends with you together over the next uh, several episodes of the season um, is going to relate to this ideal of the wise person, the sage, or to use a Western way of talking, the saint. Mm -hmm. And in some old translations of the Tao Te Ching, they would use the saint. We're going to talk about the saint. Uh, the saint could be a male or a female or whatever. The saint is, in our rendering, always going to be described with the pronoun she, uh, partly because of that emphasis on yin, which isn't only female or woman, but it does help us to kind of keep that balance. And it will help us to talk about every time in the translation that we talk about men, men are going to be yang, just at least for this Show So, like, men are hustling and bustling, bustling, but the sage, she rests content. Mm -hmm. That's not a real line, but that that would be the kind of, you know, way we would go about it. Um, Let me conclude this first opening introduction of our uh, season here with uh, what I think was just a delightful uh, chapter that we worked on to describe that ideal sage. Because one of the things people don't realize is Lao Tzu... I think he was probably a real guy that was a librarian that epitomized. He brought to society or he brought to, um, to a, a very succinct written form. And say like an archivist, right? Yeah. What are the ancient observations that they had known up to this date? So, you know, um, he's a compiler maybe. He's mm-hmm. obviously going to be smart enough to be a good curator, but it's not about him. This isn't somebody's right. ideology. These are observations. 
And it was probably edited over, you know, many generations into the form that we have it today. This comes from a period known as the Warring States period, a period that was terrifying to many people. It was a, a time of uh, great upheaval. So like 475 to 221 BCE, this is going on. And it resembles in that sense our, our times when there's mm-hmm. conflict and there's a need for new perspective and so forth. But neither Lao Tzu nor the editors that came after Lao Tzu nor the people who wrote down the works that Lao Tzu read in the archives are the original Tao surfers. The Tao surfers are anonymous ancients, the ideal sage from the past that is a type of person that we want to strive for and to help other people strive to be, uh, however imperfectly, past, present, future. It's, it's not an individual person. And we're so, going to talk about Tao surfers rather than Taoists or Taoism because we are not claiming to be experts or representatives of that. Right. So was, you know, was Lao Tzu, you're basically saying he wasn't a guru as we think of it, right? Like he didn't have a following Pro- of Probably people. not in that same way. Right. No. And regardless of whether he did or didn't, the historical nature of who he was is, is unimportant. And, you know, and if you, you know, do a little homework, you'll find that, you know, it's not even sure whether he actually really is the author of it. Right. It's the name we put on it. Or that he existed. Or that he yeah. even yeah. existed, Right. Right, but but he, he, but he himself is not is not important, which is also, I think, what lends even more credibility yeah. to the truth of, part of the what point. this is, because that that is very much in line with what the Tao Te Ching is all about. It's mm-hmm. not about who is writing it. It's not yeah, about you not know, his authority, her status, or his you know whatever position he right. held. And we're going to talk about in the course of each chapter all sorts of interesting historical aspects. We're not going to try to give you a full introduction to the Tao Te Ching itself. We're just kind of introducing this subject for this week and kind of helping you get kind of some footing before we really, you know, get into it in ways that we hope will be primarily practical. We're, we're not going to be doing a historical sort of conversation the way we're doing a little bit more of that kind of introductory work now, maybe a little boring. We're just going to get right into the text and look at those ideas and not worry about who said them. Yeah. We're just going to look at those ideas for life and to share them. But the idea, friends, is this beautiful picture of the, the, the sage, the ancient sage, or as we're going to describe it, the ancient Tao surfer. And uh, we hope, friends, that you will surpass us very quickly in that attempt to become better and better at surfing the Tao without becoming crestfallen. Here's the line, or here's the, the chapter. The ancient Tao surfers were keen deep, and inexpressibly artful. There's no way to fathom their wisdom. All we can really do is describe how they appeared. They were careful, as when crossing an icy stream, conscientious, as if always being seen, respectful as trekkers, hiking through private land, elegant and yielding like a melting icicle in the morning sun, natural, as unfinished wood, wide open like a valley, which lets muddy floodwaters tussle its landscape, then lets the silt settle in clarified streams. Then it stirs up still pools once again, reawakening life. Tao surfers don't care about riches. Since they don't hoard wealth, they stay low-key. Thus, they are reborn to the world and ease into maturity, feeling younger, 
than they've ever been. Stacy said at the beginning of this, as we were thinking about, you know, getting started before we started recording, that this text was something that brought you something that you hadn't experienced that much in the many, many years that you've been around religious conversations. And what, what was that? Yeah, I think that, you know, we've, uh, you know, we so much of, because just what our work has been, we've been very close, you know, always working with churches or, you know, Christian education, um, you know, so our lives are very, very tightly wound up in, in spirituality and, I've always, you know, I've been on this quest of, of, you know, still trying to find a, a, a peace. You know, I, mm. I, I have moments and I am not like, there are times where I definitely have felt like, you know, that I felt God calling me to do certain things in life or whatever, you know, I've had those moments. You, you have had a moral clarity. Right. Mm-hmm. But what, you know, and I'm just going to be honest here. Like I'm at a point where I am. You know, I'm in my, you know, starting to get into my mid forties here, starting, you know, sort of a, a time of being premenopausal and nobody told me my world would get so chaotic mm. during this time in my life. I, there's no, I don't have other women ever. I don't hear anybody hardly just a couple of my friends, you know, every, you know, every once in a while we'll talk about this. Warning but, you. Yeah. So depending on where you're at in your stage in life, but I just feel like, um, the hormones and, and the things that are going on, I just, it feels like, um, you know, that I was you thinking as you get older, you might, you know, get more peace and, and less chaos. And I felt like my, my body, you know, was becoming more chaotic and, and, and taking over sometimes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I've heard that there is a light on the other side, you know, after menopause that things will, you know, calm down a little bit. But um, th- these teachings have helped me find these moments of peace. And I can stay in there way longer than, you know, what I ever was able to. So I'm not saying that, you know, even, uh, you know, what the religious teachings I focused on weren't, they weren't, it's not as if they weren't sufficient or something, but just that there's a, a balance to life that this has shown me and a way of looking at the world and my role in it um, that has just brought so much more clarity and understanding so that I can weather those storms and not get just caught up into the emotional turmoil of my hormones at the time when when things come up, right? That I, even if at the very moment of it, I may not see it because that still, it just takes over so much. But when I come outside of it, you know, and I, I, my system calms down a little bit, then I can be like, okay, that was totally what that was. And I can identify it and, and recognize, apologize, you know, to, to poor you, <laughs> um, you know, for how I have disrupted your world. But I, I just have been able to really, it gives me something to kind of hold on to, to help, to help rein in the chaos, to help, you know, see with a different set of eyes and in a, in a different perspective that I wasn't able to see before. And so friends, this season is our uh, humble gift to you as we have been seeking this thing out and we wish you a now and always deep peace upon peace friends.
Thank you so much, friends, for joining us for this episode of the Protect Your Noggin podcast. You want to join in on the conversation? We'd love to respond to your questions or comments on a future show. You can record a message by going to protectyournoggin.org and clicking on the blue voice message button. And don't worry about getting it perfect since you'll have five minutes and a chance to preview your message before sending. You can also send an email if you're not comfortable with leaving a voice message. Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said that wasn't any letter. He said that was going out of my mind. Not going out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? Perhaps because you found this letter low too much.